That's not good. Welcome back, gentlefolk. Can you believe it? The party survived everything the forest threw at them, and now they're on their way to the Shining Circle, a settlement that has something to do with the Ring of the Hand. I have so many questions, but there is only one way to find the answers. So, listener, the time has come to roll and tell. Welcome back to Roll and Tell. I'm Christian. And I'm Jeffrey. We are your players, your storytellers, and that low-budget Thanksgiving claymation special that nobody's going to watch. It's honestly kind of scary. Yeah, it's it's a little creepy. The faces aren't... They're, they're just... They have a little something off about them. And there's way too many gobbling noises. <laughs> and we're here to serve up some saucy post-Thanksgiving content for you with this ever-proceeding story. That's right. Us. Two players. No game master. Only cranberry sauce. (laughs) Only cranberry chaos. (laughs) Only cranberry chaos. I like these really topical Thanksgiving references when it's like, what, two weeks after Thanksgiving now? Yeah, it's going to have been a bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is this, if this this is a reflection of around the time that we're recording, so that's all that matters. And Christian and I have been called all of our lives two people who really have our finger on the pulse. That's exactly what I've been called. They're like, look at those two trendsetters, trailblazers, champions. Speaking of trailblazing, <laughs> oh, speaking of trailblazing. We're going to be blazing a trail oh. in today's episode. Oh, do you want to do you want to give a little bit more insight to that, Jeffrey? Yeah, so we just nearly killed an entire magical forest, but we didn't. It lived with the power of music and birds. I I feel like we had a real a real Snow White moment right there. We did, and with an actual princess too. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're on our way. To the Shining Circle, which is, it seems like, where the survivors of the Ring of the Hand wound up. Yeah, we don't know everything about it yet, of course, and we probably won't know most of it until we get there. But what we did kind of understand about it is that these are the people that came from the Ring of the Hand. And from what we can tell, these people are trying to almost create a new settlement, move forward in honor and of the values of the Ring of the Hand. Mm -hmm. It's a settlement that seems to be immemorial to the Ring of the Hand. And apparently, Abigail knows someone or some of the people there. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense if they're survivors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they probably have some kind of leader, maybe a member of the military or the knighthood or an advisor, somebody important from the Ring of the Hand. Yeah, yeah. Better not be a knight. Because that'll just really chafe Lewis' buns so hard. 
and I, I had some questions about it that we'll have to answer on the way, but I was curious if if uh, one of these people might be like uh, one of Abigail's ex-boyfriends or something. I don't know, dude. No way. Like, Louis is going to throw down a gauntlet right away. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you're uh, friends with Abigail. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> but before we uh, do any more theory crafting, let's jump right into this. Okay. So... I have a simple question of the fate chart. Is the path from the forest to the shining circle safe or dangerous? Okay, so we're at a chaos seven. Maybe this is just internal wishfulness, but I can imagine that we just kind of got through the most dangerous part of this path, Mm -hmm. but we don't know. I'm going to say it's somewhat likely that this path is safe moving forward. Okay, it's somewhat likely the path is safe. Would you roll? Okay. Or a seven, somewhat likely. Ooh, that's an exceptional yes. Oh, what a strange anomaly. It's exceptionally safe. Interesting. Why is that? Why is it exceptionally safe? I think they're really off the beaten trail. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. they're really in the wilds, but it's safe. And particularly because we dealt with maybe the most dangerous thing in the area. I don't think there's been a lot of roving bandits or anything like that. And maybe the Shining Circle is kind of a secret settlement at the moment. Yeah, all this makes sense. And I just want to touch on the roving bandits part really quickly. Especially if any of those bandits found their way in this forest. I bet you they had a pretty terrible fate. Yeah, so that took I think out any some of them. <laughs> bandits that were in the area may or may not have just blown away on the wind. Right. Yep. That's uh, I think that's funny. Um, but yeah, okay. This, this makes sense. So then, since it's safe, we're not really going to have to make a perilous journey roll then. So I guess, logically, we should just kind of determine about how far we do go until we find the settlement. Yeah. I mean, we are in need of help now. We've been traveling for only about a day, right? Right. Yep. I can't imagine that this place is that close to Ostiel. So maybe another day's journey and we get there around evening, maybe? That makes sense to me. So the only thing we have to be concerned about because of that is using provisions for the journey. So we have 20. We're about to use five more. That means we have basically an easy day of travel, which is going to be a relief to everybody involved, I'm sure. Before we jump in, should we roll up more about the Shining Circle? Yeah, because I don't think we're going to do a scene on the road. It seems not very consequential. So I think the next scene will be us arriving at the Shining Circle. So let's find out a little bit more about the Shining Circle, this place that we've decided is a refuge for the people who survived the attack at the Ring of the Hand, whatever that looked like. We don't actually know what happened there yet, so hopefully we can find out more about that here. But we know they haven't been there very long, right? Right. The events of the Ring of the Hand happened roughly six months ago. Yeah, so this settlement probably isn't a place with permanent structures yet. Right, yeah. If they do have anything... It's definitely not much. Like, maybe we're seeing, potentially seeing the beginnings of this stuff becoming built, but it's probably not much there. Yeah, I imagine it's a lot of tents, maybe some carts, caravans, a few buildings. Very nomadic, but they're not traveling anymore. This is a place that they're making a home. They just took whatever they could take while running away from the Ring of the Hand and brought it all here. 
And I, I, I really don't want to ask this question because I hate the idea of it. The project team in the forest. Oh, were they from here? Do we think that they were gathering materials to help build up the Shining Circle? Ooh, I think that's a somewhat likely. Gosh, I would hate that. I would hate that. Um, all right, sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and roll, I guess. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, we got lucky. It is It is no. I rolled a 92. Okay. These were some yahoos from some other place. Some other place. All right. Thank gosh. It made sense, though. I'm glad you brought it up. That also makes me think that this settlement probably has some kind of problem. I don't know that we need to roll it up right now, but I, I have to imagine they're having the same kind of issues any new settlement would have, and they might need help. Makes sense. So the Shining Circle, the way I'm seeing it, is almost like the trappings of a nomadic lifestyle slowly becoming an actual setting. So we're coming out of a wooded area. What is the topography of this region? Roll me a d6, and six is roll again. I got a three. That is a grassland. So the scene that we're about to walk into, what do you think it is? I think it's us arriving and Abigail seeing people she recognizes and them recognizing her in return and welcoming us into the settlement. Yeah. And maybe offering healing for our very injured party. All right. Do you want to roll or do you want me to? Yeah, we got to. I'll do it. I'll, I'll check with chaos. Okay. So that is a 10, so we are completely out of chaos. Baby, we got lucky. This is going to be so interesting, getting to see people from the ring of the hand and have people actually acknowledge Abigail for who she is. The party leaves the forest behind them. Their various wounds are poorly bandaged. They're just trying to stop the bleeding to get where they're going. Then they travel for about half a day until Abigail pulls the reins of the horses and leads them off the main road and down a newer path. A dirt path that has yet to been trod by too many feet or wheels. On both sides of this road, there is tall grass, fresh, blowing in the wind. Trees dot the grasslands, just enough for any animals to find shade under as they traverse the tall grass. And we make our way down this road for another half day until we see people. There's a couple ankle deep in the grass and they're picking at some tall bushes, honeysuckle, yellow glowing in the sunlight. And they're smiling and laughing. And when they hear the carriage wheels, Creaking down the road, they turn to look. They see all of us, and they wave. But then, they see a particular blonde half-elf with green eyes sitting on the bench of this carriage. One of them taps the arm of the other one and starts pointing at her. And then they start to move out of the grass and approach the carriage. We keep moving, and we see more and more people. These people are working in the fields, working with cattle, their baskets in their arms, carts being pushed. But one by one, 
they each notice the carriage going down the road and they see Abigail on the front seat and they start following the carriage. Lewitt is watching carefully as these people start to trail behind the carriage and we can hear them muttering to each other excitedly. A couple children are running beside the carriage and they are just waving frantically at Abigail. Abigail sees as all these people starting to follow the carriage and she sees these young ones who are waving at her. She's so caught up in it. She doesn't know exactly whether to greet each one or to hide her face. She has no clue what to do. But the joy of having people recognize her and in return, her recognizing some of these faces as well, it's overwhelming her. And she waves back to those kids ecstatically. And she starts waving to everyone else around her, everyone who's been following. And she has the biggest smile on her face. The biggest smile she's had in a long time. Other than that special night at the Rise, she feels so much happiness right now. As you smile and wave, you hear voices in this crowd, this growing crowd, this throng of people that is starting to follow the carriage. You hear them saying, I told you, it's her. Shh. Oh, look, it's Princess Abigail. I knew she survived. The princess? Where has she been? Oh, I thought she was dead. Did she really just run away and leave oh, us? Oh my god, what a fancy carriage. Oh, I can't oh, believe she's so it. Princess pretty. Abigail! Yeah, oh. now she decides to Princess Abigail is back! Oh, just Emily, so look, happy. it's Miss Abigail. I wonder if she'll go with me to the dam. Yeah, what's she's Miss Abigail. If I were Pinch her, me. I it has to back. be a dream. Daddy, lift me up. I want to see her. She's back. Princess Abigail has returned. Lewid just watches you smile and wave at all these people. He doesn't wave back. They're not waving at him. He knows they don't even see him. They see you. And that is all Lewid can see right now, too. He's just enjoying how radiant you look, smiling and waving, putting even the honeysuckle to shame. As we keep moving, we start to see low wooden walls. A new construction. They haven't been here long. And just behind that, we can see billowing smoke from campfires. We hear the sound of hammers and saws. Constructing small buildings. We see tents, garments hanging from clotheslines, blowing in the wind. And Abigail, you can smell fresh baked goods, flowers. But most of all, it smells a little like home. As we approach this small wooden gate, a single guard standing at the gate, who doesn't seem to be trying to stop or let anyone in, they're just there. They're unarmed. They see the carriage coming, and they wave just to give you a greeting to their little settlement. But they see you, and you see their mouth go slack. And as the carriage passes that individual guard, Abigail holds out her hand to kind of get a passing high five from the guard. They awkwardly slap your hand, and as you pass, you hear them say, It's her! It's she, she, she touched my hand! Abigail, you drive the horses into the center of the settlement, this crowd forming a big circle around us, and you see a tall statue in the center of this circular clearing in the middle of the settlement. And I want to ask, is this a statue of your parents? We did talk about this city, or this settlement, being a sort of memorial 
for the ring of the hand in some way? I'd say it's likely. That's a yes. Oh, okay, cool. And since we haven't come up with names for the king and the queen yet, how about we come up with those right now? Yeah, let's do that. How about you come up with Abigail's dad's name and I'll come up with Abigail's mom's name. Perfect. Lewid squints and looks at the plaque at the foot of the statue and he sees two names. The plaque reads, In Memorial to the King and Queen of the Ring of the Hand, King Morgan and Queen Phoebe. Abigail sees the statue. It feels like time stops around her. Feels like everything goes still. It almost feels like she is seeing her parents again in the flesh. As she's staring at the statue, she places an instinctual hand on Lewid's shoulder as she continues to stare. She slowly steps down off of the carriage and she walks up to the statue and she just looks up at it, staring at the faces of her mom and her dad. She misses them so much. And she thinks to herself, how did this world keep moving without them? Lydia is dismounting Sky Chaser, and she is keenly aware of this giant crowd around them, and it makes her deeply uncomfortable. She is doing her best to keep a low profile, seeing that they have all eyes on you. And so she just hops off Sky Chaser and starts petting Sky Chaser's mane and says, All right, this is weird, but it'll be okay. And Diodia and Thebia in the back of this carriage, having seen this crowd surround the entirety of them, Diodi slowly opens the carriage door on his side and begins trying to get out of the carriage. But his leg catches him up and he stumbles out and hits the ground and just goes, Ow! And Thebia, scooting over to Diodi's side, seeing that he had just taken a little bit of a tumble out of the carriage, she gets out and helps him up. And they both start walking towards that statue where Abigail went. After a moment... Abigail, you are staring at this statue of your parents, and then Lewid approaches your side. He puts a hand on your shoulder. Diodi and Thebia come beside you, and Lydia creeps up from behind, standing a little uncomfortably behind her brother, until all of us are looking up at this statue of this heroic elven man and his beautiful half-elven queen. And as we're staring in awe, we hear a voice from behind us. Let's make that person that Abigail wanted to find. Yeah, let's do it, dude. Let's go to the UNE. Yeah, UNE. We don't know literally anything about this person at all. No, because you've been so cagey about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get the noun. I will get the modifier. I got cunning. Actor. (laughs) Cunning actor. This is definitely somebody you met in the tavern. How interesting. They're a performer. Yeah, this this definitely feels like someone she would have been close to so far based off of that. So let's grab a verb and a noun for motivation. Okay, then in this case, I will grab the noun. I got hinder. The government. Hinder the government. Yeah. So my thought is this person might have no aspirations to take back the ring of the hand and they believe that they need to move on. And this new settlement might be the moving on point. So let's ask, 
are they harboring desires to get the ring of the hand back? I mean, 50-50 for me. Yes, they are. Oh, okay. So, we need pronouns. Uh, As we usually do, one, two, male, three, four, female, five, six, non-binary. Non-binary. Okay. They, them. They, them. And let's grab a brief description from Maze Rats. Give me the deets. All right, yeah, here are all the deets. Uh, They tend to use negotiation. They have a cultish quality. Braided hair. They are a know-it-all. They tend to rhyme when they speak. (laughs) And they wear oversized clothing. (gasps) Oh, gosh, you're going to make me improvise rhymes? Yeah. Very interesting character we have here. Okay, so the last thing we need is a name. Okay, cool. And um, didn't you just recently create a non-binary name table? Oh, yeah, you're right. I did. I made a I made a table for our Patreon. So we can use my table. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to roll a D100 on the non-binary name table for the roll and tell tables. <laughs> Their name is Dakota. Nice. Dakota. Taking her time like the slowest of snail, she's finally back, our Princess Abigail. Abigail hears those words from behind her, and instantly Abigail recognizes that voice. Before she even turns around to look at this person, she says out loud for the entire settlement to hear, Oh my, is that Dakota trying to reach their rhyming Quota, and Abigail turns around and sees someone that she considers her friend. She sees a human about the same height as herself. And this human, dark skin, long brown braided hair, wearing a very flowy poet's shirt with a crimson cravat tucked around the neck, with puffy pants that are tucked into long boots that accentuate this person's legs. And to Abigail, Dakota looks just like they did the last time she saw them. Dakota hears your rhyme, and they cringe a little bit. They then say, Oh, for one so pretty, it's such a crime that you can't find a beautiful rhyme. Abigail gives a smirk and rolls her eyes around her head. She walks up to Dakota, gives them a small punch on their shoulder, and then Abigail embraces Dakota in a grand hug. And Dakota just embraces you right back, and they whisper in your ear, Abigail, I promise I only thought you were dead for like 10 minutes. I tried to make it look like I was dead for six months. I guess it didn't work. And they pull back, and they look you in the face, and they narrow their gaze at you, and they say, Oh, come on, Abigail, you're not that good an actor. Neither are you. Dakota pushes you away. Abigail's just laughing. Lewitt approaches carefully and says, Abigail, who's this? Yeah, um, Lewitt, uh, this is Dakota. They're one of my best friends. Dakota, this is my... Abigail leans into Dakota, raises her eyebrows, and says, My full elf man. Dakota raises their eyebrows back, and they say, What do I see with these eyes of mine? I never thought you'd find an elf so fine. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think Abigail's embarrassed at all. I think Abigail holds out a fist for a, a fist bump from <laughs> from Dakota. Dakota enthusiastically returns your fist bump. <laughs> I'm glad you're not embarrassed because Lewitt is beet red. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately after, Thebia and Teodi both walk up to meet this Dakota as well. And Abigail sees Thebia and Diodi walk up, and she says, Ah, yes, and this is lovely Lady Thebia right here. And and Abigail looks Diodi up and down, looking at his broken leg, and poor little broken Diodi. <laughs> Lewid, the embarrassment just flies from Lewid quicker than you can imagine, and he says, Abigail, you can't you can't just call someone broken. Lewid, he literally has a broken leg. And Diodi looks at Lewid, <laughs> thankful for him sticking up for him. But then he says, no, it's, it's okay. I am in a lot of pain right now, so I don't know if we'd be able to find anybody who could take care of some of our injuries. Dakota leans over a little bit and looks at Diodi's wound. And then they look at the rest of the party. Yeah, it... It seems like you've been through a lot, so let's get you some help. And Abigail, noticing Lydia's not quite with the group yet, she looks back at her, waves her over, indicating for her to come group up with everyone else. Lydia has been watching from afar and has been looking at the crowd of people cautiously who are still just surrounding them, muttering to themselves about all of this, and she approaches the rest of the group. She doesn't introduce herself she just kind of stands by her brother's side and dakota sees lydia just standing there and says well i'm glad to see that i won't be the only one making things awkward let's go get you some medicine okay lydia just releases a puff of air and a loose strand of hair that is dangling in front of her face just flies atop her head and as everyone is standing there for just a moment, Abigail says, Well, you heard Dakota. Let's go get the help we need. I think we've earned this and a little bit of rest. All right, come on, everyone. We'll get you feeling right as rain in no time. I think chaos goes down. Yeah, <laughs> I. there's no way I could see the chaos going up right there. Besides the absolute chaos of me needing to occasionally rhyme now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, that puts us out of chaos six, though. Yeah. So, new scene. I think we are at whatever... I don't know if they have a temple here, or if there's just, like, a doctor. I don't know what the idea of how they do medicine in the Ring of the Hand is. Because I feel like in Austeel, medicine is tied directly to the goddess of prosperity. Right. As we've described, Girish has a very homeopathic way of serving that medicine. Mm -hmm. He doesn't use magic. Right. Let's ask. Let's ask if the ring of the hand, or well, what is now the shining circle in this case, if they use magic or more herbal remedies, does the shining circle use magic for healing purposes? Yeah, I, I'm just going to say 50-50. I don't know. No, they don't. Okay. More herbal remedies. This gets me thinking, because we described it that it's odd that Girish doesn't use magic. 
This is a particular thing that he does. Maybe he learned this kind of style of healing from the Ring of the Hand. He's an older elf. Not necessarily that he's been there, but like he's read books and he's like studied their style of healing. So it might be familiar healing to some members of the party. Maybe he understands the efficiency of it as magic can sometimes tend towards chaotic results. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should maybe ask, since they use homeopathic medicine, are they linked to the Brotherhood of Prosperity at all? Uh, I, that's another 50-50. Christian? Uh, I, I know that face. That's an exceptional yes. I, yeah, I knew that face. <laughs> that's my exceptional yes face. Okay, so what do we think is so exceptional about this then? Well, we asked if they have a connection to the Brotherhood, but maybe they are the Brotherhood. I think that's pretty exceptional. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would definitely be exceptional. This implies so much because it asks the question, if the Brotherhood's not necessarily specific to Austeel, where does the Brotherhood actually come from, you know? Yeah, I'm starting to think they're a... Wilder Heath organization. They are not just a local group to Austeel. It feels like they span the entire globe. My gosh, dude. And, you know, Whittleby is probably hiding in a barrel in this building somewhere just looking at us. That that makes me wonder if, if Whittleby has gone traveling before for the <laughs> Brotherhood purposes. He gets around. Oh I wouldn't put it past him. I think he travels all over the place. Oh, absolutely. It's where he got that cold that never goes away. So I don't think we need to focus very much on the healing portion of this scene. I think we can just say that Lewid, Diodi, and Lydia are being healed. Abigail is being treated. And Dakota is talking to Abigail about the plan. I think Dakota thinks there must be a plan if Abigail is here. Yeah, she would not have returned for any light reason. So I think the scene is Dakota prods Abigail to tell them what the plan is, whatever that means. I think that's the scene, yeah. Roll for chaos. I I rolled an eight, which is out of chaos. Yes, it is. So that's the scene. A minute passes as the group follows Dakota through the settlement until they eventually reach a pretty large building compared to the rest of the settlement. With all the other tents and the under-construction buildings they've seen so far, it's round and it has a big presence in the settlement. It's taller than any other building as well, as it might have multiple floors. It looks brand new, like it was maybe even just finished being constructed only days ago. And Dakota reaches the front door and opens it wide, and gestures for all of us to go in. And Abigail gestures for everyone before her as well. As Thebia is still supporting Diodi, she ushers him in, and the rest follow. Once we're all inside this building, it's honestly impressive. For everything that we've seen around the settlement so far, and the fact that this building's pretty much brand new, it's like I said, impressive. The entirety of this building makes a full circle, as there are beds lining the entirety of the circular walls. And there are levels of this ground floor that go down into the center of this room. At the most lower level at the center of the room, there's a fire pit, with a big metal cylindrical chimney above it. And the floors are a nice stained wood. You can see 
that there is a staircase that leads up to an upper floor. But down here on this floor, there are clerics taking care of a couple people. And on one of the beds, there is a woman being tended to. Nothing serious, just a scrape on her leg. Abigail slightly recognizes this woman, but not well enough to remember a name or anything like that. So she just gives a slight wave and the woman waves back. But for the most part, this building seems pretty empty. They don't necessarily need the full capabilities of what this building can provide right now. But Abigail can tell for if or when they ever do need this facility, it'll be a nice luxury to have. Abigail, from the moment Dakota walked in here, you knew they were going to create a scene. Dakota claps their hands, gestures broadly to everyone present in this establishment of healing, and says, Oh, ye friends, with the healing touch, these poor travelers have suffered so much, so take away their painful feelings and give them all of your best healings. And Abigail gives a slight groan and waits for all of the clerics to come on over. And the ones that are not currently tending to the, the few that I mentioned before, they come over and they start greeting every single one of us with a bow. And as they bow, we can see hanging from their necks are amulets and pendants with the same Brotherhood of Prosperity symbol that we've seen in Austeel. A simple and impactful icon upon those pendants. A fist holding what looks like a needle of light. And Abigail gives a slight bow in return, and Thebia and Diodi follow suit. And Lewid and Lydia do the same, giving a slight bow. Lewid has his eyes pretty distinctly on Dakota. He thinks they are very strange. And these clerics start analyzing everybody here in the party, taking a look at the injuries of each and every single one of us. You have a couple that come up to your arm, Lewid, and begin lightly touching it, trying to find the points of it that were penetrated and impacted. One of them pulls you by your other healthy arm to follow them to lead you to one of the beds. And one of the clerics goes up to Lydia, does the same with her gut, pulls her towards a bed, and the same with Diodi. And these clerics take you all to pretty private areas. Even though these beds are all technically in the same room, they are separated by curtains and cabinets, providing a form of privacy so that others wouldn't really be able to see you super well or to easily hear conversations happening in each of these individual stations. And Abigail sees one of the clerics coming up to her. She has no visible injuries on her, maybe some internal bruising that she hasn't been able to see underneath her clothing. She brushes one of the clerics away, basically indicating, you don't need to touch me or anything like that. And she begins walking towards one of the beds. And she looks to see if Dakota is following her. Dakota is. Dakota is following with a little bit of a spring in their step. And Abigail reaches one of the beds on the far side of this building. And she lies down. This cleric begins to lift Abigail's dress and Abigail's fine. She's she's wearing britches underneath her dress. The cleric pulls it up just to about waist high to start getting a look at some of the bruising and internal injuries Abigail may have acquired from being crushed by that giant snake. Not that the cleric knows any of that, but Abigail's going to hold on to that secret for now. And Abigail looks up to Dakota, gives a sigh and a small smile as if she's expecting what's coming next from Dakota. 
You're not wrong. Dakota is smiling rather broadly in spite of the fact that all of you seem pretty beat up. And they traipse on over to a comfy looking chair beside Abigail's bed. And they just plop down. They purse their lips and they say, So, princess, a kingdom awaits for you to take it back. So I'd love to hear your plan of attack. Abigail shook her head at being called princess. And she simply responds, Oh, did you finally decide to take up as general? Are you going to lead the attack? Dakota goes a little quiet at that. And their eyes just kind of move back and forth like a cuckoo clock until finally they say, you know that I'm not built for fighting. And you know I'm not built for princessing. Right. So you came all this way, encountered some pretty dangerous things, obviously. For what purpose then? I have decided to get over the fact that I'm not princess material, and I am going to take back the ring, not just for me, but for everyone. Dakota, the Wilderheath needs us. The cleric who is healing your wounds or taking a look at your wounds stops as you say that, and Dakota just hops to their feet, claps their hands, and then starts doing a very raucous dance. Ooh, you say you're not a princess, but that's the most princessy thing I've heard all day. Everybody in the room is looking now. Every single person in this building is looking towards Dakota. <laughs> Lewid is looking at this whole situation, and he says to the cleric who is treating his wounds, Oh, uh, don't mind them. Just two friends catching up. And they're definitely not having a conversation that they should be having in private. Abigail just <laughs> starts slapping Dakota's leg. Can you shut up? Just shut up for once, Dakota. They start dancing harder. In fact, they put their hands on top of each other on the arm of the armchair they were just sitting in, and they just start shaking their booty in your face. <laughs> and Abigail is pushing Dakota's butt out of her face. <laughs> Dakota stops, finally, and then just kind of hops into the armchair and perches there with their fists under their chin and just looks at you, waiting for you to say something. I want to ask something really quickly because I know Abigail just made a joke about Dakota taking up as, you know, general of the army or whatever, mm -hmm. but I'm curious because Abigail was clearly seeking this person out or potentially someone related to this person. I'm, I'm curious, is Dakota related in any way to someone of power of the Ring of the Hand? Good question. I like that. I think if you were looking for them, they're a lot more than just a friend. So I think right. the odds are has to be. Okay, has to be. That's a yes. Then my follow-up question, is that person that Dakota's related to in some way the lead of the army, the general? Yeah, odds. Once again, going off our last roll, I think it's a nearshore thing. Yes. Okay, cool. So it wasn't just simply a joke. It was a, it was kind of a stab. Yeah. With that in mind, um, I'm going to roll for their parents' identity so that whoever's in charge here so I can play with mm -hmm. that a little bit. It's a man. Is, is your dad around? 
I really think we need to do this, and we're going to need his help. Do you think we need to ask if he is alive? I do. I do think we need to ask that. Because he could have succumbed to wounds afterwards or any kind of... Anything, yeah. Once again, I'm going to give this a 50-50. Is Dakota's dad alive? Oh, no. Exceptional, no. Well, that's not good. Oh, my gosh, dude. To me, that, that just means that Dakota's dad perished in the incident. Dakota falls back and sits once again in the armchair properly. And they briefly smile, and then that fades into a frown. And they say, no. Abigail almost regretting that she asked that question. She rolls over the bed to get a better reach on Dakota, grabs Dakota's leg with her hand, and just squeezes. And it, it feels like a lifetime before Abigail's able to get out. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, uh, you know my dad. His duty was to a kingdom he swore to defend. And, well, that is exactly how he met his end. I'll, I'll write a better poem at some point, but, yeah. Abigail lets the moment sit there for as long as she feels is necessary. She wants to respect Dakota and their dad. Dakota takes your hand and says, but, but Abigail, that is exactly why I am so excited that you're here. The best way to honor my dad and yours and your mother and everyone is to get back what they fought so hard to keep. And Abigail sits up and whips her legs off the bed onto the floor. And she's sitting there looking into Dakota's eyes as the cleric behind Abigail puts up their hands like I, w- I, was, I was working. But Abigail, paying no attention to that cleric, she says, and we're going to take it back, but you know exactly what this means. You have to take up that mantle. You have to take up that position that your dad left behind. There's no one else that knows what he did better than you. Abigail, I just say pretty words. I, I can't lead an army. You can do whatever you want, Dakota. You actively denied joining that army. I think that took so much more strength than what is going to be required of you. If you can say no to your dad, you can do this. So I have a question. Is the general sentiment of the Shining Circle that they want to take back the Ring of the Hand? Because I don't think it is. I think the people here are probably scared and want to move on. I think Dakota has been in the streets, basically singing songs and giving poems about how one day they'll take it back. Yeah. So let me ask, are the survivors of the attack scared and unwilling to go on this crusade to take back the Ring of the Hand? It's tough, but I I think I will put that at likely that they're unwilling. Yes, they are unwilling. That's a bummer. We'll just have to prove something. It's a bummer, but I imagine they are terrified. I don't think... I think what happened there may have been the scariest thing that could have ever happened. I imagine most of the population was routed. Yeah, Abigail, that's all well and good. And I'll think about it, I suppose, but look. And Dakota is looking at the one cleric who stopped treating your wounds when you had made mention 
of taking back the ring of the hand, and this cleric starts working again. Dakota leans in and says, People are going to be really excited to see you because they think you might, you know, rule a new kingdom or something. People are scared, Abigail. I don't, I don't think they're going to be willing to put their lives on the line again for, you know. I have a very simple question to ask in this moment, and this may seem unrelated, but to me it's not. Their final night at the Eye of the Anvil, before they headed out the next morning, when Luida and Lydia were on the roof of the Eye of the Anvil, was Abigail having a conversation with numpits down inside? Hmm. As the person who plays both of those characters, what do you think the odds are? I don't think it's so far-fetched. Based off of what we rolled when we asked if numpits and Lark knew who Abigail was, uh-huh. I do think it's likely that Numpits tried to have one last conversation with Abigail before she headed out. I am going to put it at likely. It is a yes. What was this conversation concerning? I, yeah, I do think Numpits was giving some sort of guidance and inspiration to Abigail. And I, I want to incorporate that into what Abigail's about to say to Dakota. Dakota, listen, I'm, I'm just as scared as you or anybody else. In this very moment, I am frightened at the idea of going back to the Ring of the Hand. But there was an old man that talked to me the night before we left Austile. I'm sure Dakota has some sort of reaction to her saying Austile. Let's ask, do they have some kind of reaction to that? 50-50? Okay, 50-50. Yes. I think at this moment, I'll just say that Dakota's eyebrows raise. This old man talked about the sacrifices that one needs to make to make the world better. It really pushed me forward. I realized that in the end, Dakota, I need to fight for what I believe is right. And I will have to make a lot of sacrifices along the way, even if it costs me everything. And Abigail holds out her hand to Dakota, waiting for Dakota to grasp it. Dakota does so, slowly, but they do. And Abigail squeezes tightly, because along this path, as long as the people see one person follow, another one will as well, and then another, and then another, and another, until everyone follows. People want what's right, but if they see everyone fighting for it, they will become less scared. It just takes that one follower, and all I'm asking from you, Dakota, is for you to be that one follower that inspires the next one and then the next one. Dakota sighs and looks you in the eyes. Abigail, you always knew what words to say to make everything feel like it's gonna be okay. Look, I don't have the reputation for all of that, but I'll stand with you. Abigail gives a sigh of relief, still holding onto Dakota's hand. She asks, even though I can't rhyme, Dakota taps the top of your hand and says, you'll learn with time. I'd like to personally thank you for listening to Into the Wilder Heath 7. 
We know it was a shorty, but feels like this is the start of a lot of things to come. A lot is being set on the table right now for future events to come. And speaking of tables, I don't know if you heard, but during the episode, we had mentioned a table that Jeffrey had created specially for our Patreon subscribers. If you want in on these tables too, then you can head right on over to our Patreon. The link is in the description of this episode. Not only do you get access to those cool random tables that you can use in your own role-playing games, but you also get access to a whole bunch of bonus episodes that we don't share on our normal feed. It's pretty awesome, dude. But enough about exclusive things. Something that's not exclusive but makes you feel pretty exclusive is being a part of our Discord. The link to our Discord's in the description of this episode as well. Head on over there if you want to talk to people about our show or if you want to chat with us and give us cool suggestions for things that we do. We always love hearing from our listeners and we have a cool play-by-post going on over there where everybody's involved pretty much on a daily basis. A lot of neat stuff happening on our Discord. If you don't feel like being that intimate with us, though, you can always check us out on Twitter and Instagram at RollAndTellPod. Roll and Tell is produced by Jeffrey Sneed and edited by Christian Pollock. That's me. And cute little dog cuddles provided off mic are by Avery and Pippin. Our group has made it to the shining circle, the beacon that shines in the light of the ring of the hand. And we've met Dakota. Are Abigail and Dakota going to be able to convince the rest of the Shining Circle to help take back the Ring of the Hand? Or are they going to need Luid, Diode, and Lydia's help as well? We don't know, but you can find out next time with us as we roll and tell. <laughs>